Welcome to the, let's see, this is the fourth episode of the Macau cast where we're talking about uh, some Macau trip planning and Macau in general. Eric, Khan, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. How are you guys? Very good. Doing well. Thank you. We're, as we record this, it's, I guess, maybe a little bit tipped past the middle of December, careening into 2019, uh, just around the corner, which of course means that the trip isn't really all that far off. And so that's pretty fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we're just like two months away and then you know, we'll be there, you know, in a, in a flash. It sort of has felt theoretical uh, up until this point, as if like, oh, like, yeah, there's some trip I'm going on at some point. But it will start to become real in like the actual planning part of things. So that's both fun and terrifying. No, it's it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm still looking at the uh, hotel uh, search engines and just like weighing my options. Before we dive into anything else, do you want to quickly update us on your on your travel planning if you have any updates? Sure. I think I had like two nights left. You know, I have booked Morpheus for one night and then I said the countdown, which is another tower in the City of Dreams complex uh, for the last night. So then I had two or three nights left and I'm thinking I'm narrowing it down to either Studio City or MGM Kotai for those nights. And so I'm going to probably not end up on the peninsula at all, which is a little bit of a bummer. But yeah, but but, you know. I want to try the new places and, you know, well, I can like just jump on a bus or a taxi and get over to the peninsula and see, uh, see what you guys are doing over there. Indeed. So how will you make your final decision? Is it uh, mostly a pricing thing? Is it a preference thing, a location thing? I'm going to wait for Christmas to actually arrive and I'm assuming there might be some like promotions and if there are then I'll jump on it otherwise I'm seeing some good prices on on trip.com and I think that's actually uh, that used to be like ctrip.com I don't know so they 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 tend to have the the best prices it's either that or agoda that's what I've been noticing and um, I mean they're even beating the prices offered directly by the hotels themselves so I'm leaning toward that way. Um, I I looked at uh, Win Macau for a long time, but those rooms are just too similar to what I see in Vegas, and I just I don't know, I'm just gonna pass. And Hunter, I can just take a peek in your room, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. No, I I understand that. And yes, of course, you're more than welcome to come check it out if you're interested. I think you will find that the room itself is exactly what you just said. Very, very similar to the stock Win product from several years ago. They've they've made a few upgrades since that that haven't been made in Macau, I don't think. Yeah, and it, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I, I really, I was very curious about that Jerry Beal designed Encore suite. Uh, I think John got to stay in that, right? Yes. Yeah, but uh, I saw some pictures and I'm just like, ah, you know, uh, it's okay. I'll just let it go. <laughs> and uh, stick to the pen- or stick to the Kotai strip. Encore is cool. I'd love to stay there. I haven't stayed I visited both Chuck and John's rooms in uh, at the Encore Tower when we were there. It's a sweet little tiny jewel box kind of property, but getting getting rooms in it is difficult. You either, you know, what the inventory they make available on the website varies. Oftentimes the sort of standardish smaller room isn't even available. No, it's not. It's not. Well, have you thought of just writing in like John did and see if uh, they, you know, give it to you when you arrive? I haven't done that, and that's what, yeah, he did do that and got lucky. I guess there's no reason not to. Yeah, go for it. So I might as well give it a try. Yeah, it might be something different, and, uh, you know, maybe Megan would be into it. I don't know. She's, she'll be, she'll, she'd have to be into it. She likes uh, nice hotels just as much as I do, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. 
Eric, are you? I, I'm trying to remember where, where. If you are, are you fully booked hotel wise, or are you still making making decisions? I'm speculatively booked. I think I talked on the first episode the fine hotels and resorts. I was able to uh, book rooms. You know, you don't even have to put any money down. It just kind of you you book it. The one change that I'm considering is I think I want to spend a little bit more time in Hong Kong on the back end of the trip. So I might be canceling the last day or two that I have booked in uh, Macau to get a little bit more Hong Kong time in. Gotcha. I can't, gotcha. I can't blame you for doing that. I mean, you go all that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I would love, so I'd actually like to come back sometime and do a Hong Kong trip. But it's just so hard for me when, like, Macau is right there. It's like saying I want to do, like, a... This is a really bad example, but like a state line Nevada trip, and like Las <laughs> Vegas is so close. Obviously, Hong Kong is not state line. I don't know. I don't know what the good equivalent example is. It, it Laughlin, like... maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe. But but like a much cooler Laughlin. Yeah. You know, it, it's almost like New York and Las Vegas are very close to each other, and you have to choose. Yeah, that is a very, that's a good analogy. Yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, with Eric, Eric, you know, those FHR rooms, those fine hotels, resorts rooms, I, uh, I see the appeal, I mean, especially the late checkout stuff that you get with that under that deal. Like, what is it, like guaranteed 4 p.m. checkout? Is that right? Yeah, 12 in and 4 out. Okay, wow, nice. That said, I think most of the Macau properties allow you for a late checkout at least till like, what, 1 or 2 o'clock? Is that, is that right, Hunter? I never had any problems. I can't remember what the official policies were. Generally speaking... Well, I guess this was more the case for early check-in than late check-out. But, like, I would roll up early and they would be like, sure, except for Galaxy. Galaxy, even though I never actually got my room there, uh-huh. that was yeah. the one exception. They were very strict about the 3 p.m. check-in. Okay. But while, you know, in, in Vegas, obviously, you know, now it's like, oh, sure, you can, they'll, they'll, they'll give you an option to purchase an early check-in or a late check-out as, a, as an upsell. The Macau folks, at least back in... 16 and 17 weren't weren't doing that. We'll see if that's changed. Okay. All right. Well, I thought maybe we'd start off tonight talking a little bit about technology and and relate as it relates to travel. This was something that that came up on the 88 Days podcast a couple of, a couple of times and well, I learned a bit doing making some mistakes and going through it and so maybe I can share a little bit of that and talk about what's changed, and how we can potentially stay connected if that's something that people care about. So I'll state up front that I it's something I care about quite a bit. And to the, to the point where last time I was transiting, I was the last trip was transiting through Hong Kong. I actually went to the effort of ordering via mail a Hong Kong SIM card that I could use between the airport and the Macau ferry terminal in both cases so that I would have a SIM card in my phone from the time I, by the time the wheels hit the, hit the tarmac at the airport that I could use for an hour as I was walking through Hong Kong. And that actually worked quite well. I ordered some, I found some website that sell, that sells uh, SIM cards and they sent me one. So the question is, will I do that again? I, I don't know. I like to stay connected. So I travel well, I actually, I guess I haven't decided exactly what I'm going to bring on this trip, but I'll typically travel with, always have my smartphone. Um, sometimes I usually travel with an iPad. Uh, and I guess the big question on this trip is whether I'll also bring a laptop, which I did the last two times. Uh, maybe, maybe not this time. I don't know. I might, uh, might break that habit, but definitely traveling with 
multiple pieces of gear, and in my case, you know, both the phone and the laptop uh, can potentially be on the cell network to uh, to do stuff. But really, I think for me, the most important thing for staying connected is is the phone. And so the question is, how? What's the best way to do that? And there's a lot of different options depending on. Uh, what carrier you have in, what, back at home in the U.S., um, whether how much you care about being constantly connected, because there's also Wi-Fi options. But um, the last two times for Macau, what I ended up doing was buying a SIM card um, out of a vending machine at the ferry terminal in both cases. It is interesting. Uh, the first trip, that worked fine for me. Um, second trip, I spent the entire bus ride from the ferry terminal to Wind Palace trying to figure out why my SIM card wasn't working, and it—I don't—I never figured it out. I, I ended up going to the Wind Palace like gift shop and buying a SIM card there, which I guess is actually also an option. Most of the hotel gift shops have prepaid SIM cards that they can sell as well, so that's nice to know if you don't want to deal with the, a vending machine at the <laughs> ferry terminal. Um, and that ended up working. I have no idea what went wrong with the first one. It may be operator error, but the second one, I popped it in, and it was fine. And they were inexpensive enough that I didn't really care about um, about the about effectively throwing one away. Um, because again, I'm sort of crazy about staying connected and stuff. So, <laughs> so, so Hunter, I got I got to ask you, like, do do you not have global roaming with your carrier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this is so this is something that is definitely we should touch on. So these. Uh, becoming what's becoming more and more common, at least with U.S. carriers, and I don't know how. I think um, I think Alistair actually uh, referenced this as well, so mm-hmm. I assume it's inter- it's a global thing. Um, is some kind of service that allows you to use your existing at home cell service, uh, whether that's free or whether there's a fee involved, uh, use it in other countries, and in at least sixteen and seventeen. Um, I'm on Verizon here in the U.S., and they they didn't have this this service working properly for Hong Kong or Macau. Uh, I can't remember if their service is called Travel Pass. I can't remember if it was if it didn't exist at all or if it just didn't include Hong Kong and Macau at that time. Um, and so the only thing you could do I could I could have paid Verizon for international data plan, but it's super expensive. Uh, and so, and since what I think it's really set up for, if you, you know, want to just use it a little bit and stay connected and I wanted to do the opposite. I wanted to, you know, I was live streaming Periscope from outside Win. I wanted good data service wherever I was. And so I didn't use, I didn't, I went and bought local cards the last time. Um, I was in the UK last year and used Verizon travel pass and it basically the way, and I, you, you had written in our notes, um, Sprint has, I guess, has a, a Sprint and T-Mobile maybe have similar services. Yep. The way yep. Verizon's works is they charge you 10 bucks a day. So it's not free, um, but it's kind of like just works. Like you don't have to do anything. It, it just, your phone works just like it does when you're at home and you get the same, the same phone calls, your text messages, all that stuff, your data, it just works. My experience in London was that it wouldn't ever connect on LTE, which is the faster data speed. It was always the lower 3G speed. Mm. Um, I complained to Verizon about that and they're like, and they said, well, you know, some cities don't have, have like lower speeds. I'm like, this is London. What are you talking about? (laughs) This is is not like middle of nowhereville. It's one of the biggest cities in the world. And they kind of just shrugged. And so I never really figured out if if they just really don't have high high speed data sharing agreement there, or if I did something wrong, or I I don't know, it was weird. I didn't like the lower speed. I lived with it. I did not get a SIM card there, 
Um, but it's something that, uh, I mean, the, the travel pass is still on my account. So when I get to Hong Kong and Macau, it'll activate automatically and maybe it'll be fine. I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I, ha- I have Sprint, so... Uh, I'm mean, Sorry, go, go ahead, Eric. Why, well, why I'm, you... I'm hoping it'll be fine, because that's my situation. Ah. I, I have Verizon. Um, I contacted them to find out, and uh, basically what it came down to is... I don't remember which is which, but you needed uh, CDMA f- for uh-huh. one, and you needed GSM for the other when it came to Hong Kong and Macau. Yeah. And basically, they said... I mean, exactly what you just said for 10 bucks a day, your phone will just work. And it's the same plan. And so I don't have the same uh, need for, uh, I guess, high speed data that you have. And just kind of talking it through with the guy on the phone, like, uh, at least for me, I think it's going to be sufficient. I'm hoping it's going to be sufficient because I'm not making any other plans around that. I'll just pay the 10 bucks a day and use my phone. Yeah, put let's put need in some double quotes there. <laughs> okay, <All right>. uh, <laughs> it's not a business related need; it's a compulsive related need. <laughs> um, we can we can <laughs> talk about my uh, my own problems later, I guess. Um, Han, you were saying? Yeah, no, I I have Sprint, and I know friends who have had um, who have T-Mobile, and you get free, uh, I think, data and text messaging at. 2G speeds in pretty much most of the world. And so I got to use this in Macau last time I was there uh, in early 2018 and then also when I was in the Middle East traveling over the summer. And it works fine for me, you know, but, I, you know, it's, it's just like to just get information like where am I and, you know, how do I get to phone one place to another that was sufficient for that. But if you're, if you're doing, like, live streaming, no, it's not going to be enough. So Sprint and T-Mobile I also have the option, I think, to um, upgrade and get higher speed for, like, I think, like, 10 bucks a, a day also. But um, I don't really need it. And quite frankly, like, when you're in Macau, at least for me, if you're in any of those resorts, they have free wi-fi and the buses have free wi-fi and i think the cabs have wi-fi too if i recall some of them um maybe i don't know yeah i don't know but definitely the the coach buses did the the free one between the casinos and and so i i I, i'm probably not going to pay anything extra and i don't i don't need that speed that you need so I have a, a collection of SIM cards from my trips. Uh, I have, what, five or six of them probably, I think, because I tried different carriers. I tried went to Hong Kong and tried different ones there. I was, like, uh, <laughs> conducting my own little uh, service survey. Now, are, are you, like, really adept at, like, opening up your iPhone and, and switching things out? Because, like, I, I, I have a Samsung, and, man, it was a pain in the butt to try to, like, swap out my SIM card and, and just even get it. Once I did, I, I, I barely got it to work that one time. I needed help from, from hotel staff. Yeah, so I guess adept. I guess so. I mean, uh, at least on the iPhone. I think many, most, many slash most phones are like this. Like the, Basically, if I have a, if, as long as you have like a paper clip, stick it in the side and a little tray comes out and that's where the SIM card lives. Um, I guess uh, a lot of phones, if you have a removable battery, then that maybe is where it lives. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I've swapped it out many times. But actually, you teed me up for one of the things I wanted to talk about because um, there's a technology called eSIM, and I know it's in the 2018 iPhones. I don't think it's exclusive to them. I think it's also in other phones as well. It's basically the idea. It's, it's what it kind of sounds like, electronic SIM. So instead of a physical SIM card, uh, it the carrier 
programs an electronic SIM into your phone and it allows you to have multiple SIM cards that you can then just sort of toggle on and off with a button press. Uh, and you don't actually have to open up your phone or anything like that. You don't have to have a paperclip. You don't have to switch a card. So, yeah. So, actually, I haven't done this yet. I still have a normal physical SIM card in my phone. But, theoretically, I could either uh, I could either get switch my Verizon service to an eSIM so I don't have a physical SIM at all and then stick a, a Macau physical SIM in my slot. Or I could, like, go double time and uh, have my Verizon eSIM and then get a Macau eSIM. Um, and then I could keep a Macau phone number. All no, no, can't do that. Um, but <laughs> but uh, that's a new thing that is just um, just sort of rolling out now. And so I don't I don't I definitely haven't used it myself, and uh, don't know how well it works or if there are any downsides or anything. But uh, yeah, I guess the the era of the physical SIM card is probably coming to an eventual close, which is fine by me because they're tiny and easy to lose. Are you willing to gamble on trying the eSIM when you're when you're out there? Or I guess it doesn't really matter because if it doesn't work out, you could just buy a physical. Yeah, phone. I think it's yeah. fairly low risk. I so I haven't switched my my phone to um, a Verizon eSIM yet. I figured I'd wait a little bit and let other people debug the first wave of stuff. But uh, I've thought about it. I don't know. I, I may go all in and uh, and get this updated before I go just to to try it out. We'll see. Well, we don't want you to have an existential crisis. <laughs> yeah. I know. If I'm very, very unhappy, I gotta go home, guys. Sorry, I got my my phone doesn't work. I gotta go home. <laughs> When's the next flight out of here? So we'll see. But yes, as you also mentioned, there is a lot of Wi-Fi all over the place. I actually was very impressed by the Wi-Fi speed. Uh, you know, traveling around the U.S., especially business travel. You know, staying in whatever courtyard Marriott or whatever hotel in some tiny little town. The internet service is often terrible, and even in nice hotels, it's often terrible. And I was impressed with Macau. I remember especially like Wynn Macau and Wynn Palace and um, Sands Kotai. They had super fast Wi-Fi, like faster than home. I was very impressed. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's 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 so lightning fast. And also, like if you go to Hong Kong, the the malls over there they have lightning fast. Uh, you know, Wi-Fi. So, I, again, I, I, I really don't think you need it, but, but you know, um, having that connection is key. I, I, you know, for, for visitors coming from the U.S. or Canada or wherever you're coming from, you know, you're going to want to keep in touch with, with family back home or friends and and uh, and not get lost. And having that Wi-Fi connection or, or uh, SIM card connection is, is, is critical. I got to get my, my photos on the Instagram, man. It's, I got to get them up quick as possible. People got to see me chilling. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how it all goes. But there's a lot. Of, fortunately, there's a lot of options, and um, it's nice that the carriers do have. I mean, I remember the the era of very very expensive international data plans. You know, where they would give you almost no data and charge you, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars. Uh, there's horror stories from people that you know took their 2008 phone smartphone to Mexico or. Germany or whatever, and they came home, and AT&T's like, "Give us five thousand dollars, please." You're like, "Whoa, what?" <laughs> um, so I'm glad that that's that that era seems over, and that you can get some, these um, these plans that let you use your phone basically without having to fuss with it uh, all all around the world, more or less. Uh, Hunter, I wanted to ask you, like, uh, listening back to some of those 88 Days episodes, like you you guys talked about. Um, this won't be a problem for us because we're going to be entirely in Hong Kong and Macau. But I, I'm actually going to go over into China for 
for a part of my trip before co- coming over, uh, there is that great firewall over there. Uh, it is great. Yeah. Is is there a? And I know you were intimately uh, trying to break through there uh, <laughs> in, in Shanghai when you were stuck there. Um, are there still like good services to to get past that available cheaply or or? It is harder and harder. Um, yeah. So it, this is one of those things that changes all the time. Uh, because the the government it will close doors here and there. Actually, for it was fair, my understanding is that it was fairly common for Western hotel chains in mainland China to offer unfiltered internet service. So like oh, the Hyatts and Hiltons of the world, uh, and that was and that the, the government shut that down a couple of years ago. That's no longer allowed. Um, and actually, recently the government required um, uh, Apple and Google to remove any unregistered uh, VPN, virtual private network services from their app stores, from App Store and Google Play, um, because they basically want to vet everybody. They're now issuing licenses to these companies that provide these, what are basically like encrypted tunnels for data through the firewall. Uh, So it's harder and harder. Uh, My experience in um, 2016 was that some stuff worked sometimes, and then I sort of moved on to the next thing and kept trying until I found one that worked. I don't think that there is sort of a one go-to suggestion I can give you. Um, If you're interested, I could offline, I could send you some some ideas, but it is, unfortunately, my understanding is there isn't just one thing because you basically are circumventing the local law, and so... It's not impossible to do, but the, it's like holes get closed quickly, and so you got to. Well, I certainly don't want to get in trouble with the Chinese government. Well, no, I don't. I don't, I don't think it's. I mean, I don't think they care that much in that regard, individual okay. by individual. But uh, the services are kind of operating on the the fringe, and I think the basically the way that it works is people will start these services, and once the government figures out, you know, sort of what block of the network they're using, they'll they'll block them and move on, and so. Okay. Stuff gets well, blocked and, and and then stops working. I'll be I'll be in Shanghai by choice uh, for one day before I, I, I arrive in Macau. So, um, are you, you sure know, you'll arrive in Macau? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, I think I still have texting while I'm in in Shanghai. So, uh, Eric, I have your number. Yeah, I mean, my experience was, and I think this is generally still the case. Uh, services like you know your text messages work, or if you use a messaging service like iMessage, or I'm not sure about Facebook Messenger, it might, may or may not work, or uh, you know um, some of the other big services that those generally will work. But stuff like the more public services are all blocked, like Google, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff is is blocked. Well, that that leads me to wonder if I should. And I, I don't want to do this really, but download WeChat, which they won't they won't block. But you know, WeChat is what the equivalent of the Facebook Messenger in China. Right? Yep, so. I have WeChat on my phone. Oh, so yeah, oh yeah. So um, I was really curious about this, and I said I should download WeChat because when I booked, um, I think it was Win. When I booked Win, they sent me a lit list uh, a link and said, add your reservation to your WeChat account. And I said, okay. Um, so I downloaded WeChat and I signed up and then they give you a QR code that you can scan with your camera and it uploaded my reservation into their, into the system. And it, as far as I can tell, it all worked, but it's all in Chinese. So (laughs) I don't understand any of it. Um, and so it's, uh, I can see my check-in information here is confirmed, but I can't read anything else. And so, 
I'm not really getting anything out of this because I can't understand it. There is actually, it's kind of interesting because there is some mixed English Chinese stuff in here, but it, most of it is in Chinese and MGM is offering me something that is completely in Chinese. It looks really tasty from the photo, but I don't know uh, what the deal is. I just wrote back, they sent, I don't even know how, how the app works because everything's in Chinese. So they sent me something and I, there was a keyboard there. So I wrote English question mark and they didn't respond. Maybe you can just put your uh, iPad over it and use Google. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. I should try that. I, you know, I, I find the whole thing fascinating because it is such a big part of life in that part of the world. I mean, I, I, having seen it a little bit firsthand, watching people in China use it, and then having read about it quite a bit, there really is no comparison in the U.S. I mean, WeChat is sort of like this giant shell that encompasses all of their internet life from everything from buying food at the local store to paying for a taxi cab to um, buying a ticket on the ferry. I mean, it, you can do everything inside of this giant WeChat overhang. It's kind of amazing. I, I really wish that I could understand what was going on inside of it because it fascinates me, but it, uh, there's a language barrier that prevents me from understanding it. You know, it, it carries over into this country as well. Um, Chinese Americans, uh, at least in in my experience professionally, I deal with um, some colleagues where all of their clients are Chinese. Everything is done through WeChat. Wow! They, they prospect through WeChat. There, uh, a lot of their uh, business is conducted through WeChat, um, which you know creates some compliance issues on our end. But um, you know that that is the culture. That is what they do. Um, obviously I'm only seeing a, a small portion of it, but, you, uh, U S citizens, that's, that's what they do. That's what they know. I, I was completely fascinated by it, seeing it in action. I mean, it was just, it was like the matrix. I mean, people just, this guy flying as fast as he could type on this keyboard, like doing this and doing that. It was kind of amazing. And, uh, to hear, yeah, and as you were just saying, everything that I've read about it, it just sounds like it's so, it's such a big part of how technology works in the other side of the world. It's, uh, it's fascinating. I just want to caution, though. I mean, the reason I'm hesitant to put it on my phone, I did have it on my old phone when I went to Macau the first time, but the second time I, uh, I mean, I recently got a new phone and I'm just like, should I do this? Uh, like, I guess in, uh, I think like in 2016, there was some report that awarded the uh, parent company like a zero out of a hundred <laughs> in terms of like in their, their encryption and protection of user data. So that makes me think like, uh, you know, I don't know, like how no, I, this stuff. I think that's warranted. So, I mean, in terms of uh, controls and stuff, I have not given WeChat access to my location information or my address book or any of that stuff. I basically every prompt it gave me to take stuff. I said, no, thank you. Um, because I think you're right. Uh, I, I don't necessarily trust them. Yeah, but now I go like arguing the other side again. Like uh, when I was at Studio City, I I did have the WeChat like the first time, and and there was some kind of discount code, and like the the one of, one of the amusement rides there, like the attendant said, "Oh, do you have WeChat?" And and I I said I did, and they said, "Oh, okay, let me just scan this," and then they gave me like a fifteen percent discount on the ride. So it's like it it can definitely come in handy when you're in Macau. My guess is that I won't use it at all, and it was kind of a novelty. And uh, but I thought, well, I don't know, this is kind of interesting. And it it did show up, like I said, with both both MGM and Win. I'm now following on WeChat. That's all I'm following. Um, but that'll probably be the end of my WeChat experiment because 
I can't understand what it says. And I also, as you said, I'm not opting in to give them tons of my data. So there, there's a bunch of these things that I actually can't get into. Yep. Um, I guess the other thing as it relates to technology is just, a, I guess, a quick PSA for anybody listening, thinking about travel to this area about power and charters and whatnot. Uh, so Macau and Hong Kong, if, if you're an American that's been to the UK, it's very similar. They run on, I think it's 220. It's definitely much higher voltage than we have here in the US. And they have funky plugs. So you will need, um, at a minimum, some kind of plug adapter. Most uh, modern electronics chargers, all the Apple ones, I think the Samsung ones as well, probably pretty much all of them, do auto voltage switching. So you don't actually need a converter. Uh, you just need a plug that will, like a plug adapter. That said, uh, the thing that I've done the last couple trips is actually I, I bought a converter box thing that plugs into the local thing and it provides a bunch of 110 volts. And that's worked fine for me. It's sort of maybe a little bit of overkill because um, the switches, uh, the, I don't technically need the converter part, but it just uh, was easy to pack. It's small and allowed me to get everything plugged in and going without too much hassle. Yeah, I'm going to bring one of those too. Uh, but I did have a question. Like, if, if I simply were to put my USB port in one of the USB plugs mm -hmm. in, in a hotel, it should be okay, right? I mean, yeah, the USB is a total, um, is a standard. The power delivery for, over USB is a standard. So I guess that is good to mention. In addition to sort of standard electrical outlets that are in the hotels, a lot of them now do have either specific charging pads like when Macau had a little thing that had a, an iPhone lightning port a micro USB port and a couple of others uh, that you that they had all the cables there automatically um, and then also as you see in a lot of other hotels in the US and elsewhere uh, just USB ports where you can just use your normal cable whatever came with your phone to charge it and yeah those are fine that's that that voltage is standard across the whole world it doesn't it's not region dependent always be charging that's my uh, that's my motto <laughs> I'll never forget the first trip, the Win Macau people, the turndown people put little cable ties on my charging cords on the on the uh, desk. It was so nice of them. They tied up my cables. The other thing that's in here is talking about drones. So I, well, I guess I don't know what about this. So I, I have a have a drone. I like taking cool video. It takes amazing video. It's a very it's a very cool little device, and I love the idea of getting Macau scenescape type video it just sounds like it'd be so cool but i'm super paranoid about flying it in a country where i don't speak the language and while i have read the rules and talked to lino about it who's an expert in this area i don't know i'm a little sketched out by it plus you know have just one more thing to pack so i i love the idea of coming home with cool drone footage of macau yeah. uh, but the practical aspect of it i kind of don't know well, couldn't you just like uh, hang out with Lino and and you know either fly his or 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 if you bring yours, so be with him while you're flying it, so he can have you dodge the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like flying that much. I just like the the footage that I get. Um, I know some people love the actual flying part, but um, yeah. Also, you know the um, hotels on Kotai, especially when Palace, they're very near the airport, and in almost every country where they have you know, explicit laws about flying drones. Uh, there's cutouts for anything near an airport for obvious reasons. So uh, it may be that, you know, Kotai area, which would be where I'm going to be spending a lot of time, if it's completely 
banned there, then it would be pretty pointless to even consider packing it along. Because it does take, you know, the drone itself is amazingly small, but you got to bring batteries and you got to bring the controller thing and there's all kinds of other crap you got to bring along. So it's not nothing. Probably not worth it then. That's kind of where I'm coming down. Uh, if you were going to talk me into it, um, you might have got me to go along, but uh, <laughs> I probably not. Last but not least on technology, it's not really technology related. I'm going to shill for this because it's on the list. You know, Apple has stores all over the world. They, a lot of them are in some dumpy mall somewhere and are boring. Um, but every once in a while they do uh, a more interesting version. And actually, amazingly, one of them is in Macau. Uh, and it's open, it's at San Cote Central. And I'm actually kind of interested to go see it because they built like an indoor little forest and they've got all kinds of interesting architectural stuff that uh, is out, way outside of the scope of most of the sort of standard mall stores that they have. I'm, I'm, I guess, A, interested to see the actual setup and layout. I like the architecture. I think that's interesting. I'm also kind of surprised that they picked Macau as a place to put one of these. I mean, they don't have very many of these marquee stores. It's odd to me that they picked Macau for that, but maybe there's a reason I don't, I'm not thinking of. Have you not been to this one i know you went to the one in galaxy the galaxy one we actually happened to be there when it opened no this one's brand new well brand new i think it's been open for six months uh but it's on it's like of the same scale as the fifth avenue glass cube store or there's like a yeah or you know the or like one of the big london stores i mean it's kind of that's why it's strange to me that that they have this uh sort of marquee store in on Kotai, but oh, the, I, one, the one in Hong Kong was pretty impressive too. The one at the IFC. Mall. Yeah, that is that is got a that is. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I mean, not a not a big deal, but uh, be interesting to check it out. Well, it's in your, your favorite uh, property on the Kotai. Yes, yeah, Sands Kotai Central, aka the Londoner. <laughs> Isn't that what it's called, or the Lon- Londonese, or yeah, yeah, Londoner, yeah, Londoner, yeah, yeah. That's what they're going to turn it into. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see it, how much, uh, if at all, uh, that conversion is done by by the time we're there it sounds like i guess maybe not at all for those that don't know the folks are at las vegas sands are uh converting the sands cote central area which basically doesn't have any theme at all into a london themed casino complex across the street from their venetian themed casino complex across the street from their parisian themed casino complex so you know, I guess we should all brainstorm what's what's number four. What are they going to do across the street in that empty land? I guess we'll have to figure that out. I don't know. Well, I guess New York, New York is already taken. Right? <laughs> well, you never know. They could appropriate that, or I guess MGM probably has some kind of copyright thing going on or something. I don't know. Can you copyright New York? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, should we talk about shows and entertainment? This is an area that I know almost nothing other than I know what some of the offerings are, but I haven't actually experienced any of this. So I think it's fair to say that, well, uh, show production shows, whether it's like a Cirque du Soleil type thing or a big comedy show or, or a concert residency, is more and more common in Vegas. I mean, Cirque has been around for a long time and has really is, has, has done quite well. Uh, but, you know, we've seen the entertainment offerings become a staple of what the casinos there offer, right? It's a really big part of uh, of the overall entertainment offering. Macau doesn't, I think Macau, they tried to do this. Like there was a Cirque show when the Venetian first opened that failed. And they've tried to do some other stuff. And generally speaking, one of the things that the government has told the casino operators is that they want them to diversify, right? They want them to have some non-gaming amenities. And so they've tried some entertainment stuff. 
Some, I think, has worked better than others. And so there are some shows that you can go to. There are some other sort of attraction-type things that are potentially interesting. But I would love to know from you guys, does any of this interest you? Um, do you have any plans to do any of this stuff? And I have, I'm cheating because I'm looking in our notes document, but I actually know that you've, Han, you've been to one of these shows that I have not been to. I'm curious to hear about that. So maybe, maybe it makes sense to start with you. What did you see and how was it? Okay. So it seems like, uh, Melco is the leader on, on this stuff. Um, and so I did see the house of dancing water at the city of dreams and it, it is a very Cirque-like show, but I will say it's it's a little... Okay, so <laughs> full disclosure, I, I actually, I've, I've seen, I think, every Cirque show in Vegas and La Rev as well, except for Chris Chris Angel's show, which I don't, I don't really count. And and um, I did fall asleep in O. Uh, me too. I think this is a common. Oh, you too. Yeah. Okay. I'm not the only one. I, nope. I, I thought I thought it was me and Five Hundred and and uh, and now you. It's a thing. It's a thing. I've heard from other people too. I mean, oh, sorry to digress. It's a great show. It's amazing what they can do. But I fall. Asleep. I've seen it. I think three times, and I fell asleep too. Oh my goodness, Eric. Have you seen O? I have not seen O. Um, ah. I, but I've I've seen most of the Cirque shows. I have not seen that one. Um, it doesn't appeal to me. I guess okay. like if, if I needed a nap, I think I would go. But <laughs> that's that that seems to be the uh, the trend that I'm hearing. Um, yeah, it's very soothing. Very um, soothing. Okay, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So the House of Dancing Water, in contrast, uh, it, it, it it's much more exciting. It's 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 it has sort of a storyline, probably as much of a storyline as say Ka does. It's 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 not quite. It's not. I mean, it involves a princess. It involves some kind of pirate guy. Uh, then involves some other fishermen, and there's like a witch that is trying to foil them all. And uh, and all I remember is at the end, the fisherman is rewarded by becoming some kind of like. Uh, king of Macau or King of China. It, it had this kind of strange nationalistic tone at the end. It's 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 almost like I don't know if you've seen the movie Hero from a long time ago with Jet Li. Um, I don't. I have not. Okay, if you ever see that film, at, at the end there's this kind of strange kind of uh, plot twist at the very end, and 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 uh, Jet Li kind of abdicates and lets China rule everything. Uh, you know, they're they're not going to be factions, but they're all going to be one. And there's kind of this kind of th- weird storyline in house of dancing water and so it, it was a little bizarre to me but but uh don't let that put you off like there's a lot of great things about the show there's a lot, a lot of the same cirque acrobatics water uh you know diving but the, but the, the the thing that i really liked about the show is these motorcycle stunts there's all these crazy motorcycles that are jumping and doing flips and all this stuff and with the water around them and uh I hadn't seen quite anything like that before, so it, it was something new, and um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And the other two kind of entertainment things that I did while I was in Macau was at Studio City. I saw Batman Dark Flight, which is kind of like a Disney ride, um, a short Disney ride. It's like they, they build, they um, kind of advertise it as 4D. Uh, what I remember about it was there, there were like some like smells in there, and like they do move you around and. You're like uh, at Wind Industries, and the Joker's attacked, and you have to like jump on this ex- escape craft with with Batman and, and and get out of the building before you're gassed. Um, 
and it's pretty fun. Uh, but it's only like five minutes. It's not very long. Um, but and it's probably just like a one-time thing because I don't think they changed the storyline. And the other thing was the golden reel there. That's that uh, crazy eight uh, Ferris wheel. It's it's okay. It's it's about as fun as the high roller. Uh, they don't offer drinks in any of the pods, but. <laughs> But uh, it, it, it's definitely something I, I was glad I did. It's not really fast or anything. It just kind of takes you around and you you look out across the way to an empty field. Uh, <laughs> but one day it will be turned into something I imagine. Okay, so House of Dancing Water. Uh, would you see it again? Yeah, actually I would. I would see that again. Yeah, I think it was that good. Yeah, That's an enthusiastic thumbs up, it sounds like. Yeah. Was it busy and full? Like, I, I'm trying to get a sense of how these things do. I mean, obviously one show, but like, we, you weren't there by yourself, right? No, no, I was there with my wife, and it was definitely full. The, the whole place was packed. Um, you know, Macau has a uh, like, reputation for like everyone just being in the, in the game, gaming rooms, almost to the point where they're not even sleeping in their rooms, and much less seeing a show. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I was actually surprised by how many people were in there, and you know it's very family friendly. So I think I think uh, you know that's like the one show in town that people are going to. Now there is another one coming online soon called Electron. Uh, that's going to be at Studio City, and it's replacing that uh, House of Magic that I think Alistair referred to in in, in our last episode. Uh, I'm I'm interested in that too because that that's going to have motorcycle stunts and some kind of buggy rides and it's some futuristic thing that takes place in 2088 of course um <laughs> but i don't really know what it's about and i don't know what quite the story is about but it's supposed to be like very uh for lack of a better word electric so it's called electron uh i'm looking forward to checking that out so eric are you a show guy like are you are, are you do you like going to these things are you excited about the prospect of maybe seeing one in macau I'm willing. I don't know why I'd say excited. <laughs> you know, like if I if I get a text message or a WeChat or or something where you guys are like, "Hey, we're all going to the uh, all right, I'll go along for the ride." Um, had I been going solo, there's zero chance I'd be going to see a show. That seems like that seems honestly about my level. I didn't go to any I didn't do any of these things on either trip. So the golden reel I was going to do, it was broken that day, so didn't do that. Batman Dark Flight, I saw all the ads for, and actually wanted to do, and I think it was basically like a poorly planned logistics. Like, because of jet lag, I ended up at Studio City at like 6.30 a.m., walking through their shopping mall, and it wasn't open. <laughs> so I, like, you know, I'm like, I don't have anything else to do here. I'm just going to go do something else. And so I, and I didn't make it back uh, in a time window where I got to do the dark fight thing. But I'm actually kind of interested in that because it seems like, you know, a short, fun ride. I mean, it's like a, what, like a virtual reality type thing or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're in, strapped in and it's kind of like a hydraulic thing, you know, and you're kind of moving around with the screen, you know, what's on the screen. And they, I think, maybe spray some water or something on there. I can't quite remember. <laughs> Love that idea. Yeah, you know, but it's 4D, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I could imagine doing that. I mean, it seems like if it was, if I was, I don't know if I would go there for that, but it seems like an interesting way to, you know, waste a half an hour if I was in the right place at the right time. House of Dancing Water is kind of interesting to me. I don't, I mean, I've seen some video clips of it. I think you're the first person I've talked to that's actually been to the show, but it sounds kind of interesting. I don't know. I mean, it, I, I, Megan and I haven't talked about this part of trip planning at all, and so we definitely don't have any current plans to do it, but I guess maybe? 
I mean, I, I, I don't know honestly if I would have seen it had my wife not been with me, but, but I'm glad I did. Honestly, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's, it's like if you're not into Cirque, then you won't like it. But if you, if you like Cirque-like things, then this is definitely up, up your alley. Yeah. It's by the same guys who did La Rev, actually. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's yeah. what I thought. Um, well, Golden Reel I'd like to do if, if I get another crack at it, just because, you know, it just seems interesting how many hotels have uh, a little roller. I, I'd do that again. Yeah, that places. sounds like fun. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, the other thing, though, is bungee jumping, right? So Macau Tower has bungee jumping, and I will never go bungee jumping, but uh, my wife has expressed interest in bungee jumping, and I mentioned this to her, and she kind of wasn't so sure about it, but maybe, I don't know. I looked it up. It is not cheap. Um, it, you know, we talked uh, in previous episodes about uh, how, how everything in Macau is less expensive. Um, I actually don't know what it costs to go bungee jumping in the U.S., but I think they charge about 500 U.S. dollars to do the bungee jumping in Macau Tower. Um, so it's not like a, yeah, it's not just like a throwaway thing. Like you have to want to do it because you know, you're going to, you're going to spend 500 bucks. Uh, I'm sure it's amazing. Um, I personally have no interest. Uh, I don't need to jump off a perfectly good building. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know, maybe are you guys interested? You know, like it's not on my to do list, but it's something that I could be into, but not at $500. I mean, I don't I I don't see any way I could gain $500 worth of enjoyment from it. Right? Well, what if you hit it big at the tables? That you know? doesn't I mean, matter. The, the okay, value <laughs> Listen, if you win if you win 20,000 or you win 50,000, I'm still not going to gain $500 worth of value from it. All right. Right? Enough, so yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it, it isn't anything I've ever done stateside and you know, I, I I could be talked into a lot of things, especially on vacation. Um, but yeah, I think the price point would uh, be a barrier of entry for me. Do you guys have any safety concerns? Maybe this is really unfair of me to to state in this way, but as a non out, going bungee jumping outside the U.S. and I have no idea if there are any kind of uh, safety regulations inside the U.S. that governs this stuff. For all I know, it's completely unregulated and. People just do whatever the hell they want. Um, but does that would that ever give you any pause? Yes, <laughs> yes, it would. I have done the, um, I think what they call the sky jump at the stratosphere. It's not uh, really bungee jumping. It's it's like a controlled uh, jump where you have like this cable and you're flying down. Um, and that was about a hundred bucks. Uh, but you know, you feel very safe with with with. Uh, I'm sure they have regulations for this in Vegas. I, I would think so. Uh, I'm just not sure how strenuous they are about those things in Macau. I would obviously think they they w- would have some measures because if anyone were to not make it from a bungee jump, then that ride would be over. But uh, I, I I don't know. I'm 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 a little skeptical and and I'm not willing to pay five hundred dollars if it were maybe. 300 maybe but but then again i'd still be concerned about the safety stuff so i'm probably not going to do it um i i know one guy who has done it and he seemed to have loved it so i don't know but he's a thrill seeker so uh <laughs> I, I i don't know he 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 shelled out for it i was gonna say that for me the safety concern isn't the issue and i mean i listen i i uh wanted to do uh things in other countries uh that i'm sure have 
uh, well, I'll use Mexico as an example. Uh, we went to Mexico and, you know, we wanted to do the, uh, parasailing and, you know, you start Googling videos and you see people flying into buildings and you're like, oh, all right, maybe, maybe this isn't the best idea. Um, I'm going on blind faith that I, I don't know, I believe, uh, that wouldn't be the case in Macau. And that that wouldn't stop me. So if they were, you know, uh, if a casino was going to comp it, I would do it. But you know, I, the the safety isn't the concern. You heard it here first. If we can find a way to get someone to comp it, we're throwing you <laughs> off that building. I, I'm in. If yeah, <laughs> I, I said the barrier to entry is the price. I I can't imagine getting five hundred dollars worth of value out of it, but I'll do it. Well, Bourdain did it right, and he. It seems that seems like a lot of money, and again, I don't know what it costs to bungee jump in the U.S., but that just seems like it's a lot. I don't know. It it seems like it's more than it should be, but what do I know? Yeah. It's because it, it's because it's so safe, Hunter. They've taken every precaution to make it the <laughs> safest bungee jumping experience possible. That's why they charge so much. I believe that is exactly the reason. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, well, any other, any other, um, shows or entertainment options? Like I said, I'm like woefully under-researched in this area. I, I don't, are there any other big production shows or anything like them in Macau? Nothing like that, but I, I, I will say that I, I'm probably going to hang out somewhere at the broad, sometime at the Broadway, you know, and they have live music there. And I hung out with Lino at the, uh, I think it's called the Roadhouse. Yeah, that's where we met too. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you sit there and there's there's some live performers, and we just had a, and I had a beer and just chit chatted there. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of a more kind of American style uh, entertainment um, in Macau, but I can't think of any other big production show like that anywhere. Yeah, I can't either. Um, but it is interesting, you know. There, there's some of those like I don't know what how else to refer to them, but like gimmicky, like the wind tree of prosperity thing. I mean, it's oh, not yeah. a show, obviously, but you go there and you watch the tree come out of the thing. And I think you kind of got to see it if you're going to Macau and you haven't seen the tree of prosperity. What's the other one? Like dragon something. The something. Dragon. Yeah. 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 Uh, I feel like you've got to see at least one of those. And I've, you know, it brings in a lot of people. They're all watching it. And all you see is people holding their phones up above their heads. But uh, it, it is interesting to watch that they've got some of that stuff in there. And so I, that, not really a show, but something that's worth, that's worth seeing. Was there anything like that in uh, MGM, Macau, or uh, Star World on, on the peninsula? No. So Star World, no. Star World is – I don't know if you, you – did you not visit there? It's very I, – I went, I went in there for like a second. Yeah, it's there. very boring. Um, <laughs> Star World is basically like the lobby on the first floor, uh, multiple levels of casino gaming, uh, and then hotel rooms. There's like nothing to see there really. Um, and so Star World is not really all that interesting. Uh, MGM Macau has got the, and I forget what it's called now, but like the open area with the, um, it's, I mean, it's closed in, but it's, it's got a big skylight that's got uh, all the little restaurants and stuff. It's in a lot of their photos, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, but that's not really, it, there's no kind of event kind of thing. It's just a hangout spot. Uh, which is quite nice. You know, there's little cafes out there and stuff, and you can sit in there, and there's a giant cylindrical fish tank, but no kind of organized win, tree of prosperity type thing. I've got a question, and, and uh, Hunter, you may want to edit this whole piece out, but, uh, and I realize you're bringing your wife, so this may not even 
you know, be worth discussing. But uh, showing my U.S. bias of uh, overwhelming male gamblers in one place, are there strip clubs there? Or is that a, a thing in that culture? I think, so I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think the other question is, I, I, don't, I don't know the legal status of prostitution in Macau. Um, whether it's legal or not, I feel like I read at one point that it was either legal or not legal, but nobody cared about enforcing the law. Uh, I don't remember seeing anything that was remotely like a strip club advertised or uh, sort of outwardly visible. So I, I guess my answer is I don't know. I didn't see anything like that, but I, I don't know. Did do Han? Do you know? Uh, I just Googled it. Uh, it, Prostitution is legal in Macau, although operating a brothel uh, is not. That sounds complicated. How does that work? (laughs) I mean, I I know I opened this door, but there's a big (laughs) distinction between the two. So, No, um, from what I recall, and not that I uh, went to any of these places, but um, I, I, I remember seeing, like, massage parlor type things uh in the peninsula but i but i don't remember any kind of strip club like things and yeah yeah and and there are like scantily clad performers at the sands coat or sands macau and uh, i believe maybe at the grand lisbo i can't remember uh on like some stage show that's kind of very cheesy um but nothing too risque it, it seems much more conservative in that I didn't, yeah, you know, as now you're um, jogging that memory a little bit. I, yes, I did see some massage parlor type things, which to, which seemed sort of very vaguely like maybe more is happening there than they say. In terms of like American style strip club, like a Las Vegas style strip club, I didn't see anything like that advertised at all. And so if it if it does exist, either they're not advertising it or it's some, I don't, so no, I, I don't know. It's actually an interesting question, but I do not know the answer. I mean, certainly you're not going to see a bunch of little cards with Chinese women. Nothing like that. <laughs> like, all over. No, but... About the streets. So. Ma- maybe this is a Lino question, and uh, we, we circle back at a later episode. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't, I don't know the answer. Um, I didn't see them out there, but that certainly doesn't mean that they don't exist, so... The other thing that we were going to touch on, I think, if we still have a little bit of time, is talk about money a little bit, which, you know, money, great topic. But just, we are obviously... We live in the U.S., and so we will be having to purchase things in foreign currency, whether that's uh, Mop, Macau, Pataka, or Hong Kong dollar. And along with that comes all of the associated fun, like exchange rates and purchasing stuff on credit cards, whether it's in local currency or U.S. currency, bringing cash versus all that stuff, right? So actually an area that I don't, I'm I'm no expert in. Uh, I think last, I think, well, both times I remember ordering currency in advance from a bank so calling them up or going on the website saying hey send me some hong kong dollars i don't as far as i know that you can't get macau patakas anywhere outside of macau but you can definitely get hong kong dollars and in both cases i remember bringing ordering some in advance and bringing cash and using i feel like i feel like i used cash mostly obviously hotels and stuff or it was all credit cards but Han, what was your strategy as far as this stuff goes? My strategy was to, uh, yes, I, the first time I went, I brought some cash. 
which I ordered through my bank, and I regret having done that actually because they gave me very small denominations, and I had all these like ten and twenty dollar Hong Kong bills, which are ridiculous if you think about it. Uh, yeah, I should have asked everything for at least in hundred dollar denominations, Hong Kong dollar denominations. On my second time, I I had the Capital One three hundred and sixty account, which is like this. Uh, it's like an online bank that connects to your real bank account, and you can just shift money into um, your Capital One three hundred and sixty account. And when you pull money out of that account overseas, there are no ATM fees, at least that Capital One charges. Um, you may face some fees from the ATM operator overseas, but. Actually, I found I I didn't uh, face any fees whatsoever. Um, so I was basically pulling my money for free, and they gave a pretty favorable exchange rate, probably better than what I would have gotten at a uh, than at a, like a money changer in in uh, Macau or, or um, Hong Kong. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I just would just go to uh, the local ATMs in Macau or Hong Kong and pull pull the money, and and it was fine. Um, yeah, and that's, that's probably going to be my strategy again. I know there's some other options out there. I think Charles Schwab is uh, definitely guaranteed to restore any ATM fees, whether uh, you know, they don't charge any and anything that's imposed by an outside ATM uh, network, they'll, they'll refund. Uh, but you have to have a, I think, pretty high minimum for that if you're going to go that route. And otherwise, I just used you know, credit cards with without any foreign transaction fees. That's that's the way to go, I think. Um, I don't know if you have any other strategies. Uh, Eric, you probably have some. Yeah, no, Eric, you're, you're, you're going to tell us how we're supposed to do this. So what's the right way to do this? Okay, so I can't speak to Macau yet, but I can tell you in general, you'll get a better conversion rate at the casino cage than you will through your bank. So even though they may be waiving your ATM fees you may not be getting the most for your U.S. dollar in whichever currency you're converting into. So typically what I will do, and I'll do this research, and I guess we can talk about it again, but I will bring some cash U.S. dollars. I'll bring uh, some local currency that I order from the bank, and I will look to convert at a casino cage. So credit cards without foreign transaction fees are generally fine, um, but I don't want to find myself in a situation where there's an issue with my card in a foreign land and I don't have enough cash to, right? So I look to set up a marker before I go anywhere. So this, you know, is very, very easy in the U.S. It's very, very easy in a lot of the other countries that I've been in. Um, I am going through the process now Uh, with a U.S.-based casino in Macau. It does require a third party that it's not as straightforward as it would be, um, you know, in Las Vegas, where I would just call casino credit. But you do a little bit of paperwork, and all you do is you show up and you tell them how much money you want. And it's, on the U.S. side, it is a fee-free loan for... Hmm. 30, 45 days, depending on how much you're taking. It's a little bit different in Macau, and I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, I, I'm, I'm halfway there, but there, I'm not entirely sure uh, what the details are there. But my assumption is that everything is going to work similarly, and I'll go to the cage and I'll draw money. And when you need more money, you go back to the cage and you draw more money. What's, what's the minimum, Eric, that you have to get as a marker or are there minimums 
Uh, there's usually some minimum. I can't speak to the... Is Macanese the, the proper way to say it? I, I can't speak to the Macanese uh, credit departments. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, yeah. I you know, for uh, U.S. and Canada, you could sign up for a $500 line. But, oh, really? Uh, yeah, but, I mean, honestly, sign up for a $5,000 line and just draw the 500 I mean, it, right. it doesn't... It doesn't matter. Um, all that they're really looking to do is to check that the money is in your account and that you're, you know, you're. When they check your credit profile, they're not looking for a FICO score. They're looking to see that you pay your bills. Right. Right. So, you know, as long as you're not stiffing people left and right, and you have money in your account, like they just advance it to you, and when you do it in their currency, you don't even have to worry about conversion. And then whatever cash you have left over, you know, you can either bring it to the cage to pay down your marker or bring it home with you, keep what you want as a souvenir and cash whatever you want in at your local cage. And again, in my experience, I get a better conversion rate at the casino than I do at my bank. Hey, Eric, not to, not to be too credit card nerdy, but I, I, I do want to ask, like, th- does this result in a hard pull on your like, a hard pull credit inquiry? Yeah, so I I I don't know what Macau is going to be. I do know I do know that they do pull. I would call it, you know, I've been told specifically no, it's a soft inquiry, but I'm okay. But you know, as far as I'm concerned, you are, you know, even though it's really check cashing privilege because there is a thirty or forty five day um, span between when you draw the money and when it's due they're looking for credit worthiness. So I would I would not do this if a hard inquiry is an issue for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, it's really super easy. And I, I don't know what it'll be like over there. And I'm, uh, I'm hedging a little bit because I don't know what it'll be like, but I've started the process to have everything set up there as well. And my expectation is it'll be as simple as going to the cage and signing okay i i i think i'm gonna let you be the experimenter yeah i'll be i'll be the guinea pig that's not a problem i don't care but you know i think with all things uh when you're in a foreign land and there are things that can go wrong you want to have a backup plan in place Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. you know i uh and i don't like traveling with I don't know. Some people consider it a large sum of money. Some people wouldn't consider it a large sum of money. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't want to be leaving the country with enough cash that I have to fill out paperwork. Right. Right. So it's always a lot easier just to have it set up in advance there. Um, and, and I haven't looked into it with, um, you know, the the casinos in Macau. But you can always wire money in advance, too, and then just draw from the cage. Right. Right? right. So even right. if you yep. don't, if you don't want the credit hit, you know you run everything through the cage. It's secure. You're not holding on to it. You're not traveling with it. It's just there and ready for you when you need it. Right. Well, this stuff is fascinating and definitely an area that I have less personal experience with. And so, as much as you're willing to share as we continue to go forward, I, I think it's really interesting. Um, and so, I, I appreciate your insight. Yeah, no problem. You know, the um, I'm happy to share all of it, but the the interesting thing has been that I haven't encountered anywhere else is this third party intermediary that's required, which uh, I guess as I know more, I'll share more. But it's definitely not like all right, 
you know, call Win Macau and tell them you want to set up a credit line. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's not quite that transparent. Is it? Uh, and I don't know. Maybe you don't know. Is it a financial institution no, or is it like no. a junket it's operator? Like a junk, yeah, it's like a junket operator. You have to okay. go right. So, or at least that's the way. I, I don't want to say that's what you have to do. I have been advised that the easiest way to do this and to get this done gotcha. is to go through a junket operator. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, cool. That's fascinating. Hey, can I share one more last thing about... Um, I, I remember Alistair saying a while back that when he had leftover money in Macau, from his Macau trip, uh, I think he had a, a substantial amount of Hong Kong dollars, and he actually... Um, kept that money went back to london and then he knew he had a vegas trip coming up and so uh when he landed in vegas he went to the, uh to the wind cage and exchanges hong kong dollars for u.s dollars and uh, he said he got a very favorable uh rate so i think that kind of maybe goes to eric's point about casinos providing the best exchange rate that has been my experience 100% of the time. And even when business takes me to countries that have nothing to do with casinos, I just hold on to the currency. I drive down to Atlantic City when I get home and I convert it at the cage there. And, you know, if it's a substantial amount of money, it it makes a difference. It really does. That's fascinating. I had, I had never, I would not have considered that. I wouldn't have even thought of it. So that's actually really super interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they're going to take Macau Patakas though. So uh, I think that's kind of the X factor, right? I mean, the yeah. casino is all based on Hong Kong dollars, and that's what they're going to give you. Um, the hotel bill will settle in Macau Patakas. It's kind of weird how all that stuff works out. Uh, as far as I know, I, I, well, I know you can't order uh, Macanese currency outside of Macau. Uh, what do you? What happens if you happen to come home with some? I have no idea. They all have a list. So any any place that I've gone to, they have. A list of what they accept, and they have, you know, obviously what their daily conversion rate is. Um, so I can certainly ask, but I mean, I've been to, uh, yeah. So I, you know, I don't know that the the pataka will get converted, but wouldn't it be pretty easy to convert the patakas to Hong Kong dollars before you leave? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, just come home with Hong Kong dollars and convert them i don't even know how you would end up with a lot of macau patakas unless like you took a job there while you were there or uh, I, I don't know like sold something to a local i'm not really sure how you would end up with that much currency because the casino if you're gonna if you're gonna hopefully win some money they're gonna pay you out in hong kong dollars anyway so okay well that's easy then yeah uh well that's cool interesting stuff i love learning something new uh anything else that we should touch on before we wrap up for this evening uh, can I make one more of course. Kind of nerdy, nerdy announcement? Uh, I, I, did, I, did, I did book, uh, this is before I arrived in Macau, but I did finally book that Akata uh, hotel room. Uh, they finally made uh, rooms available, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. So I, I will be very curious uh, about what it's like and then kind of trade notes with you guys about um, how it compares to, say, a, a win room. So, um, you, know, I, you know, that's not Macau, but, you know, it's, it's, it's in the neighborhood. Sorry, remind me, is that before or after Macau? That's before. Before. That's before, yeah. Well, I'd be very super curious. I, I presume you will take a bunch of photos. Yes, I will. Um, and I, 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 I just want to point out like what Eric's saying about bringing money. Uh, I am actually, that's the one place where I'm a little concerned about bringing a lot of money is into the Philippines. Uh, so uh, 
yeah, I'm going to try to keep be cash light um, and rely on being able to draw that money out of uh, my bank account w- when I arrive in Macau or Hong Kong. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, things can go wrong at any point, so I, I, sh- I probably should come up with some kind of backup plan. But I, I don't want to be carrying a lot of cash, uh, definitely not in the Philippines, not these days. Yeah. Um, all right, well, this is great. Thank you, guys. Another great episode. Oh, I'm realizing I forgot something. Um, maybe I'll stick this in the front or I'll just leave it here. Um, a couple of items of follow-up from previous episodes. So uh, in the, I believe it was episode one, there was a question about whether or not March would be good pool weather. We did hear from the aforementioned Alistair on Twitter saying that, yes, indeed, uh, March can be good pool weather. Uh, the X factor being the overall weather. Sometimes you get uh, cloudy, stormy-ish looking days uh, all year round. And so while there's potential for it to be very nice, um, you can't totally bank on it, but it could be quite nice. So that's uh, one little piece of follow-up. And the second thing is I told that whole story about how I went to Burger King when I was in Macau. I did not go to Burger King. Uh, that didn't happen. I went to Fat Burger. So I just want to make sure I'm being accurate. Fat Burger, slightly better than Burger King, not that much better. It changes my uh, my opinion of it for what yeah, it's no, worth. It does. I, I Googled Burger King at Venetian or something, and I couldn't find anything. So I was like, is that where you really went? Nope. <laughs> my faulty memory. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't trust anything I say. Because, yes, I totally misremembered that. It was Fat Burger, uh, which I agree is definitely better than Burger King. So it's got that going for it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. We'll be back to do another episode in a bit. We've got uh, some stuff in the can and um, be recording some more. So excited about that. Trip coming up. Uh, very exciting times. So... Thank you both for for doing this, and we'll talk soon. See you, Eric. See you, Hunter. Take care, guys. Good night.